0: This episode is brought to you by Near Country Provisions. I've been a customer for about a year now, and I can say without hesitation that the delivery of frozen, farm-fresh meat that I receive from Adam and his team makes me do a little happy dance every month. Not only does Near Country offer grass-fed beef and pasture-raised pork, but they also have an awesome selection of chicken and seafood. And the best part is it's all local, and it's all sustainably farmed and harvested, You can customize every order or simply leave the selection in their capable hands like I do. Near Country even offers fun add-ons like bones for soups and stocks, as well as special holiday offerings like turkeys, brisket, and more. If you live in the mid-Atlantic, that's D.C., Maryland, or Virginia, and you're sick of the same bland selection at the grocery store, or you're looking to drastically improve the quality of the protein in your diet, Near Country Provisions has you covered. Head over to nearcountry.com and enter the code BARCART, all one word, when you sign up for your subscription to receive two free pounds of bacon or ground beef in your first delivery. That's BARCART, B-A-R-C-A-R-T, all one word, at checkout. This is easily one of the biggest quality of life improvements I've made in the last year or two, so I hope you'll give Near Country Provisions a shot and let me know what you think. Now, back to the show. Modern. 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 We're prepping for a voyage. Modern. The force of an old-fashioned equals whiskey mass times bitters acceleration. Why don't you make that a double? Modern bar cart. What's shaking, cocktail fans? Welcome to episode 230 of the Modern Bar Cart podcast. I'm your host, Eric Koslick. Just wanted to check in, let you know that we're still alive and kicking here in Washington, D.C. We've got a bunch of stuff going on right now, which means I've had my rather large nose to the grindstone working on things besides the podcast. My hope is that a lot of the stuff I'm working on right now will eventually free up even more time for me to do podcasts and other fun content-related things down the road, but in the meantime, I wanted to share a few of the most exciting tidbits with you so that you know what I've been up to. At first, this was going to be just a cut and dry update episode, but I just couldn't help myself from building in a little mini essay at the end. So first up, let's talk about the latest developments here at Modern Bar Cart, and then we'll talk about which famous cocktail bars might be coming to a city near you. First off, I want to pause and thank everyone who attended the Mount Defiance Gin Nouveau launch party last week at the Gibson here in Washington, D.C. If you haven't already, definitely tune into episode 228 where I sit down with Duncan Coltharp from Mount Defiance and Jewel Murray, general manager of the Gibson, to discuss the genesis of this continental-style gin that features beautiful herbs and peppercorns and, more generally how bartenders and distillers are thinking about the gin category in 2022. The launch party itself was incredible. There were different cocktail menus at the upstairs and downstairs bars, people sampling the Gin Nouveau for the first time here in D.C., and just overall so many people who turned up to show their appreciation for beautiful botanical mixology. Thanks to our listeners Nick from D.C. and Adam from Texas, both of whom were able to swing by and hang out at the event, and I'm gonna take this opportunity to tease the next live event that I'm working on, which is a very intimate off-campus interview and group tasting that will take place at this year's Tales of the Cocktail in New Orleans. I can't spill the beans about all the details just yet because we're still firming everything up, but I can tell you this is going to be very limited in size and you'll get to sample some very beautiful spirits. No charge. This is just something I want to do to thank you for being a listener. So if you're planning to be in New Orleans for Tales of the Cocktail this year and you want me to keep you posted on when and where this event's going to take place, please drop me a line at podcast at modernbarcart.com to reserve your spot on this very exclusive guest list. Now let's talk technology. We're putting the finishing touches on an ambitious redesign of our website, modernbarcart.com. This includes everything that the old site had, plus a couple key features that should make it even better. One of those is our calendar integration, which is gonna allow you to link our live podcast and hopefully down the road, more of those awesome live in-person events straight to your personal calendar. We sent out a poll a few months back asking for feedback about what we could do to make our streams easier to watch. And although some of you said you're kind of content using our Instagram stories as a way to set reminders for yourself when we're streaming, a lot of you wanted more options, more flexibility. So as we roll out our new site, this calendar will be a great way to get more value out of our already free educational spirits and cocktail content. Our current recording platform Riverside.fm already supports live streaming and even live chats and call-ins, so it's just a matter of us making things a bit more accessible to a wider audience to be able to work those features into the show on a regular basis. Honestly, we are not far away from being able to do the car talk equivalent of spirits and cocktails, so that's something I'm pretty stoked about. Another feature that I'm really excited to work into our new website is our wholesale portal. This is a completely different kind of improvement. Instead of facing literally anyone who comes to our site, this portal is for current and prospective wholesale customers, people who want to sell our stuff. And it's where they'll soon be able to log in and purchase our products with just a few clicks. Right now, our wholesale pricing is going to apply primarily to our embitterment cocktail bidders, but... Down the road, we're definitely aiming to get even more product available at wholesale. And speaking of products, this brings me to our next exciting announcement our Embitterment Bitters Variety Packs our two best-selling products are returning in just a couple weeks. We finally found a factory that was able to reprint our custom boxes, and those will be on a truck to us very soon. The best part of this is that we got to redesign our boxes and our labels. You'll notice a sleek new look to our Embitterment Essentials line with orange and lavender really jumping out with solid, bold, eye-popping colors, And you'll also be happy to hear that our Heritage Collection Variety Pack now has its own dedicated box modeled on a high-Renaissance-style map with gold foil lettering. It's really slick looking. As these products drop locally here in the Mid-Atlantic and on our e-commerce store, I'll definitely shout them out on social media and on the podcast. The last announcement I have for you, which will segue into our mini-essay for this episode, involves one more way we're hoping to give value to you as listeners and as members of the community. If you follow us on Instagram, and you should be, you may have noticed that we've been conducting weekly polls for roughly the last month. This started because I've been desperately looking for ways to give our listeners more value But to be honest with you, we don't have the resources of a huge brand to just throw free stuff at you all the time. So knowing that I can't just throw money at my problems, the question I set out to answer was, how do I add value to you as a listener and how do I continue to create a sense of community through what we do here on the Modern Bar Cart podcast? Value and community were my two guiding principles. One answer to this question has sort of Coily revealed itself to me because our social media presence has been lackluster enough to date to get beaten down by the Instagram and Facebook algorithms that control what we see on our collective news feeds. Because we only post once or twice a week and because we post primarily just for your information rather than to provoke you with something controversial or dazzle you with a photo or video that took hundreds of dollars to generate and also because I think boosting posts kinda looks like flushing money down the toilet, all of that has kind of coalesced to result in our friendly neighborhood social media algorithms deciding that our content isn't really worth serving at the top of your daily news feed. Now, if I were a social media marketer, I'd immediately start increasing the frequency of our posts and employing targeted strategies to evoke immediate engagement and start, you know, kind of spamming you with crazy short-form content where I'd do a dance or something, but that's not how we roll. Because you give me your time and attention for an average of about an hour several times a month, I figure I owe you more than a TikTok video. This is where our polls come in. I've decided that in addition to some more live and video content, we're going to try and give our listeners a voice by conducting regular polls about interesting topics in the booze world. This can be something as simple as what your favorite style of gin might be, which is a poll we ran a couple weeks back, or it could be something as timely and contentious as the topic that we're about to discuss. The way these polls give immediate value is by helping you to understand where you fall on a given topic relative to a group of your peers, right? Fellow spirits and cocktail lovers. I know I love having debates with my friends about certain products or booze trends, and this is a way for you to engage in that kind of conversation at a larger scale with very minimal time and effort on your part. You just click or tap and we'll report back to you with the results. My not-so-secret hope is that we can eventually build a large enough community of active respondents that will allow me to take your expertise about spirits and cocktails from the realm of theory to the realm of practice. So using our gin question as an example, hopefully someday we can go from which style of gin do you most prefer to which of these three samples that arrived at your doorstep do you prefer and why? One of my favorite things about working in the beverage space is the opportunity to taste a huge diversity of spirits and cocktails and to experience flavors that most people aren't even aware of. The reason why I get to do that isn't because I have a fancy degree or a ton of connections with big booze corporations. I don't. It's simply because I've put in a lot of time and tried to learn as much as I could along the way. I see these surveys as a way to eventually hopefully give you an inside peek into this world with the only cover charge being your honest and anonymous opinion i know it's aspirational but hey you know every big idea has to start somewhere so if you're interested in any of what i just said pertaining to surveys please do keep your eyes open for our weekly polls right now we're using instagram stories And I've also been working with our team internally to professionalize how we visualize these results to you after the fact. So you'll be seeing some of those nicer, fancier data visualizations on Instagram. And you can also hopefully check those out on the show notes page for this episode. And with all that being said, let's illustrate this whole polling idea with a bit of a case study. Our most engaged Instagram story of the past year, by far and away, was a poll I posted out of sheer curiosity after hearing that my town, Washington, D.C., was about to receive our very own Death & Co. bar. The Columbia Room, probably our city's most acclaimed cocktail bar, run by past podcast guest Derek Brown, recently announced that they would be shutting down their operation in Blagden Alley, and in the same breath, they informed the world that they would be replaced in that location by Death & Co., Death & Co., of course, is a bar that was at the epicenter of the cocktail renaissance in New York City. They've published one of the best-selling cocktail books of all time. Their New York location continues to thrive, and recently, they're exploring ways to take their model and export it to other places. This makes sense. It's what you do when you have a successful product. Other cocktail bars, like The Dead Rabbit, yet another New York establishment, have been pursuing pretty much the same model so my question which i posted as an instagram poll was designed to do a quick temperature check and see if my feelings about this exportation of new york cocktail establishments matched up with all of yours i basically asked are you pumped about death and co opening up a branch in dc or on the other hand would you prefer to simply go to new york if you wanted to visit a new york cocktail bar and then option three Do you simply just not care? To my delight, we got almost 50 responses to this question just in the stories, which is enough to plot a pretty decent trend line. 27 or 57.4% of our respondents were totally pumped that Death & Co. was opening up a location here in D.C., whereas 14 people, or 29.7%, said they'd simply go to New York if they wanted a New York cocktail bar experience. And six folks, or 12.7%, said they just did not care. So if this was a room with 10 people in it, roughly six of them would be pretty stoked Three would be generally unenthused, and one person wouldn't understand why we're even having this conversation in the first place. I think these results are interesting on a number of levels. First, I think it's interesting that I fall into the minority here, being one of the folks who's not super excited about a Death & Co. coming here to D.C. Nothing against the company. I'm sure they're great people who make awesome drinks, obviously, sort of history bears that out, but never having been to Death & Co. in my limited travels to New York, if I ever decide to go and have an experience there, I'd like it to be at the Death & Co., not simply at one of many Death & Co. locations. To me, this is kind of like taking a proper noun, right, a unique, alive, and unreplicable person, place, or thing, and turning it into a common noun, something that's fairly interchangeable. But again, as our survey indicates, I'm in the minority here. If Death & Co. decided to follow my lead, they'd be leaving a lot of money on the table. Second, I think it's interesting that this poll raises lots of why questions. I just told you why I'm not all that crazy about a Death & Co. in D.C., but there's 27 people who responded that probably have really compelling counterarguments that are just as valid as my general curmudgeonliness. And also even though it's a small minority, I'm really curious to know why 12% of people don't even think I'm asking an interesting question here. I'd love to know if they think there's a better way to approach this topic, or better things to be talking about in general. That's really interesting. I'd be really curious to hear what those people think as well. In the end, I think this simple survey provides us with a broad stroke snapshot of a very, very complex landscape. There are undoubtedly a ton of factors playing into the decision to export Death & Co. to a bunch of different cities, and there are even more factors that influence how all our poll respondents answered in the ways that they did. One way in which our current moment mirrors past trends in the chainification of bars and restaurants is the impulse, or we might say the craving, for a sure thing paired with a severe case of cultural exhaustion. Coming out of a pandemic, we're all completely frayed, overstimulated, on edge due to a hundred different political, social, and economic stressors, and when people start feeling like this in large enough numbers, then safe food and drink options are almost always more appealing than trying something new. It's a risk aversion tactic that seeps into people's bar preferences from elsewhere in their life. We've seen chains erupt after tough times in the past. Two of my favorite examples are Trader Vicks and Don the Beachcomber blossoming in the wake of the Great Depression and then surging again after World War II. There's a really interesting line of thought here about like how... The kitschification of tiki and the Disneyfication of our culture during that time period are almost sort of direct responses to the cultural fatigue of things like, you know, slogging through two world wars and a depression and then, you know, living in the reality of a sort of post atomic society. Uh, that's a complete sidebar. The other example I love to think about when it comes to chain bars is TGI Fridays opening in 1965, then exploding into a chain in the late 70s and 80s after the disillusionment from the Vietnam War and over a decade of social unrest. The proliferation of chains like these totally deserves its own episode, probably their own unique episodes for each example, so I won't belabor the point here. And to be clear, I'm not calling Death & Co. a chain. I don't think we're at that point quite yet, but I do see this situation as one where a cocktail bar that has managed to maintain itself through a very tough pandemic is seeing a lot of open real estate in major cities, and it's also seeing a drinking public that doesn't have the bandwidth to take a risk on yet another new bar that might not make it past six months. Death & Co. has made its bones by being perhaps the poster child for the riff on a classic model of cocktail menu creation. They came of age during a time in the cocktail renaissance when that was new and exciting. And they've been doing it well for long enough now that they're comfortable rolling out that model anywhere they can deploy their time-tested approach to hospitality. That's what happens when you scale something. You try to take the most essential ingredients to your initial success and find ways to deploy those principles and strategies in other places. If you visit the webpage for their Denver location, they kind of lay out their elevator pitch, describing it as, quote, Like its New York flagship, though with a completely new and unique menu, Death & Co. Denver offers warm hospitality, attentive full-table service, knowledgeable staff, and uncompromising quality in all offerings within a grand lobby setting. End quote. The upcoming D.C. location will be the fourth Death & Co. joining its sibling operations in New York, Denver, and L.A. Right now, this strategy seems to be making a lot of people, including the bulk of our poll respondents, very happy. I guess the only thing I'm nostalgic about, sort of in absentia here, is an opportunity that I fear I've lost. The experience of walking into the Death & Co. in New York and having an incredible, non-replicable experience there on my own terms. I'm not here to begrudge anybody the opportunity to scale their business. Lord knows that's something I've been trying desperately to do for a long time here at Modern Bar Cart, but my main question is, why not take the Death & Co. playbook and use it in different places under a different name and with the intention of really leaning in and paying tribute to the local drinking culture? I think that when you make carbon copies of a thing, something inevitably gets lost or palimpsested in translation. And what I'm lamenting here is the potential for watering down a program that has become great for a reason. But hey, I also need to point out for the last time that I seem to be in the minority with this opinion. My uneasiness about this doesn't need to be your uneasiness. I'm just glad for the opportunity to think deeply and ponder openly what trends like this mean for me, for you, and for the beverage industry in general. And I'm super thankful that this opportunity comes to me through the engagement and attention of our awesome Modern Bar Cart community who saw a simple poll and took just a second of their collective time to drop me a response. My final question is this. What do you think about successful cocktail bars like Death & Co. and The Dead Rabbit starting to pop up in cities across the U.S.? Do you think it's a net positive, or are you sympathetic to my take on things? You can always drop me a line by emailing podcast at modernbarcart.com or by messaging us on Instagram. Seriously, I'd love to know what you think. I'm Modern Bar Cart CEO, Eric Kozlick. That about does it for this weird little update slash mini essay episode. I'm still working on getting us back into our regular interview cycle. So thanks for bearing with me as I navigate all these very labor intensive improvements that we're trying to make to our products and services right now. Cheers to you. And I'll catch you next time right here on the Modern Bar Cart podcast. This episode was made possible with editing and sound design by Samantha Reed and a little bit of update giving, poll analyzing magic by yours truly. This has been a Modern Bar Cart production copyright 2022.